0: Welcome to Regeneration Studio, I'm Katerina and this is another narrative journey where business and art intersect and transform individuals and communities. Most chapters in our lives come to an end at some point. Whether it is a professional chapter, for example the job we're doing or the company we're working for, or a personal chapter, where we live, the town, the country or the relationship we're in. But starting afresh in any situation is daunting and we often just don't make that decision, or put it off for as long as possible. So how do we overcome the fear of making a fresh start? For our 30th episode, I met up with Steve Ashman. who found a tiny specialty coffee shop in the northeast of England, the first of its kind in Teesside. What I didn't know at the time was that his coffee venture was a completely new phase in his life. I met him shortly after arriving in the northeast, from Johannesburg, and on a mission to find the best coffee around. This episode is about fresh starts. And coffee. And we also talk about skydiving, Paris, chaos, overcoming fear, and, well, coffee. Before we join Steve, please note this episode was recorded outside, so if you do hear any ambient sounds or variations in sound quality, that is why. Okay, let's get started. Every tenth episode I interview someone who has changed the course of my journey, inspired me and changed the way I think. Some of them are business owners, some of them do fearless things, creative things with their time, or have a transformational presence in their communities, or it could just be someone who loves coffee and does all of the above, like Steve Ashman skydiver and original founder of the first speciality coffee shop in Yarm, Mint Hobo. Finding himself in a very tough situation in his life, he turned it around through selling, well, really good coffee in a small market town. He also happened to be the first person in the northeast who enjoyed my blogging (laughs) style, (laughs) a very (laughs) peculiar taste, and encouraged me to write more. Now called Hobo Coffee House, he has subsequently promoted Rountain Coffee in Paris, I think, and now works for them. Steve has done so much for bringing a healthy, youthful vibe back onto the high street and continues to promote support for local businesses. But I'm not going to say any more. (laughs) Welcome to the show, Steve.
1: Katarina, thank you. I don't take confidence very well, so I'm super uncomfortable. Thank you.
0: (laughs) (laughs) You're welcome. There's so much more I could have said. but I'm glad you didn't. (laughs) (laughs) I thought I'd keep it to the point. So... To give our listeners an idea of who you are, yes. can you introduce yourself in the style of a film trailer?
1: Oh. So yes, well, so if I was to have a film, it would have to be called Mint Hobo, Ovs. Okay. And uh, and it would, I don't, I don't know how I'd introduce it, but it would start with, morning, how you doing? And it would end with, muchos, love us, ciao, have a good one. So all the stuff in between, that would be utter chaos and fun and, and stuff, but uh, yeah. yeah.
0: Sounds good, and I think there's probably going to be lots of coffee and other things involved. Lots of, yeah. Scene one. London. The culprit man. So before opening the first speciality coffee mm. shop on the high, the high street of Yarm, and being able to wear shorts to work, <laughs> and
1: <Liberating. laughs>
0: making coffee for a living, you had a very different kind of life. I did, yeah. So for professional and personal reasons, you commuted between London and Yarm while working as a store manager for Tesco's. I did, yeah. What was life like growing up in the North East? And can you maybe explain what early experience made you choose your career path?
1: Yeah, well, gosh. So back in the day, I wanted to be um, either a fighter pilot or a shopkeeper when I left school. It's the truth. It's the truth. <laughs> my careers master was like, oh my gosh. Yeah. and um, so I went to Biggin Hill, I took my tests in advance and uh, I failed flying but I could be the navigator, well I didn't want to be Goose I didn't want to sit in the back yeah. and then um, a friend of mine's father he, he worked for Tesco and we just got talking and I thought Do you know what this sounds really really interesting it's like people, shopping and I thought well, I kind of like people and shopping wise as long as I'm prepared to evolve and change then pretty much it's, it's possibly a career and a job for life. Tesco wasn't very fashionable at the time but I had very supportive parents who said, you know what, just give it a go. And so I gave it a go and had had 30 really good years. The, the last couple of years were pretty tough. And, I, you know, it was uh, difficult as it was for uh, probably a few people around uh, around the company at that time. Yeah. But really, I look back and I say 30 really, really good years.
0: OK. And then was this now in the northeast that you were based? Or was yeah, in I came to the
1: northeast in 1995. <laughs> and you know what? It, it went to a place called Concert. And that's when Beth and I lived for a number of years and really found home. Um, I'd never really been to the North East that much before. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I loved it. The people there were very kind to me and Beth And and then we came to Yarm and I fell in love in this place in an afternoon. I was told I had to move by my boss. I didn't want to move.
0: Oh, I see.
1: Came to Yarm, drove around Yarm, phoned him back and said, yeah, I've uh, bought a house and we're moving.
0: Okay, so you didn't actually grow up in the North East?
1: I didn't grow up, no, I grew up actually, I was born in Essex forever ago, huh. and then grew up in Spofforth and Harrogate, so I grew up oh, in, in Yorkshire. Yeah, um, I
0: see. And then, okay, so you obviously, you moved from one store to the other because you had to. It was.
1: Yeah, you need to do it, you need yeah. to keep yourself fresh, you need to keep the shops fresh, it, it's, yeah. it's the right way to, to do it, and um, I was fortunate enough when I came to Yarm mm-hmm. to be able to manage a, a number of stores around here. And then when I did my London venture, which was about the last four years of my career, Tesco covered my living and and stuff. So I was able to keep the house here and keep a base here, which worked out really,
0: really well. Okay, And what was commuting like? Did you enjoy it?
1: Well, do you know what? At the time, yeah, I really did. It was something really, really new to me. You know, I I felt very um, pleased that uh, my employer was helping me do it and all that sort of stuff. Mm -hmm. And um, I've always liked to do something a little bit new. I've always liked something a little bit chaotic. Yes. You know, so for me, it sort of ticked ticked all those boxes at a stage in my life when I could do it. You know, so Bethan was 18. And uh, when I talked to her about working away, she was like, oh, heck, Dad, just just go and do it. So, yeah. you know, my daughter was like really, really supportive.
0: Yes, I see. And then the big question was, what what was it about Yarm that got you? Why you know, did you change your mind? It's,
1: it's like just a feel. So mm-hmm. I, I drove into, into Yarm. And um, you just sort of get uh, like a warm feeling. I thought this High Street, by gum, this is this is lovely. It's got everything yeah. on it. Mm-hmm. And very quickly, you sort of get that feel. It was a lovely summer's day. Well, it wasn't like it was like a spring springish day. And I walked around. I thought this feels good. And I, d- I drove up over the bridge. Don't know why I went up Butts Lane. Turned right up Butts Lane, and I thought, wow, this is nice. Mm-hmm. Turned into the street that I ended up buying a house in. There was a house for sale. I phoned yeah. the estate agents. It was a price I could afford. Yeah. I said I'd have it. Literally, honestly, an afternoon. It just just felt right. I thought me right. and Bethan would be happy. There's a little school around the corner. Obviously, it was just me and me and Bethan, you know. So, yeah. like, I was a single dad at the time. Yeah. It yeah, just just felt right.
0: Well, that's uh, surprising. Or maybe not, because I always thought you grew up in Yarmouth, because you was just like so supportive of the place and well you promote a lot of the businesses and so on and you just seem to fit in really
1: and i think i did i think i do and i did Mm. you know and it it very felt very much like home very quickly and again the people here very very good to me i've met some lovely friends people say hello on the high street Mm -hmm. you know that sort of stuff And they're the things i value Mm -hmm. like tons because you know you find your own soul yeah with that sort of stuff so that's
0: true, and it's rare so you worked for the same company, obviously you said, you mentioned, for 30 years, yeah. so it's a very long time. And you have described yourself before as the corporate man.
1: Yeah, I was, yeah.
0: Yes. So even with the success that you had, did you ever feel professionally stuck, undervalued or overworked and what eventually happened that made you decide to, to open up Mentobo?
1: So everything you said apart from overworked. I never really felt overworked because I've always mm-hmm. worked sort of quite hard and I've really enjoyed it. Yeah. Definitely a time for the last few years I did feel undervalued. The values that were important to me were less important to the people I was working for. Mm-hmm. You can only rage against a machine so long before you become part of the problem rather than helping yeah. with the problem. So it was just time for me to, to, to go. You know, and I'm very thankful of it for all. It was quite a difficult exit and I grieved it very much for a, for a year, you know, and I needed to, you know, I went and talked to somebody about it and that and they they helped me a great deal, but it was grief. Okay. So I grieved it, but it wasn't just grieving not working. It was grieving the values that had been really important yes. to me, sort of losing those.
0: Mm-hmm. No, um, I totally understand because I, I mean, I taught for more or less two and a half years or so and... It was perhaps the values of the place where i taught perhaps it was just the profession but it just if you don't actually resonate with where you at where you work and where you're putting all your time in you're going to be unhappy and eventually you, you're going to have to make a decision
1: yeah i think yeah you're, you know what you're absolutely right you know i was fortunate enough to be able to be make more make that decision myself and then mm-hmm. having made that decision um had a, had a had an appropriate exit and then yeah. for me it was about finding my soul again mm-hmm. um and that's what Mint Hobo was very much about for me.
0: I see. So, it was at the Department of Coffee and Social <laughs> Affairs in London. Yeah. I don't even know what, what this place oh. is, so...
1: Well, it, it's on the back of like um, Covent Garden. Yeah. Um, not Covent Garden, sorry, Carnaby Street. Yeah. And me and Claire were just, were just walking, almost by accident, really, mm-hmm. and ventured in. And I, I ordered a flat white because, that's what you order and that's yep. what I always used to sort of have. I took a sip and um, I won't use the language I actually did use, but I was like, goodness me, this tastes different to the barista, the girl that was behind there. I said, what the chuff in hell is that? <laughs> to which she looked at me quizzically and then she described the coffee, she described what it was about. And it, honestly, in that instant, mm. my life around coffee changed. It was like... Right, speciality coffee, what is that? And then during the time I was in London, went to anywhere and everywhere mm-hmm. to try what was out there and just fell in love with specialty coffee.
0: And, I mean, I think you're lucky that you got to explore it in a city oh, where you've hugely. got so many options. And but at a yeah. time
1: when it was really starting, mm. to, starting to move. Yes, yeah.
0: all right. Yeah, so Specialty Coffee as a distinct taste and product in the North East, was completely new and I think it still is to a certain dis- degree. I it mean, is, I mean
1: it's taken off a lot yeah. and um, like my Rountains journey, weirdly, started when I was with, you know, way before Mint Hober, I met David at a farmer's market in Yarm, had a cup of coffee from him. I thought, wow this stuff's really good mm-hmm. and was as good as what I was drinking in London. Yeah. And then, my my love of Rownton, I guess, started back then.
0: Yeah, I loved how you described the the language you did not use as like my goodness, this is really good. Because <laughs> <laughs> in all honesty, it was actually Rownton Coffee and Minhobe was the first specialty coffee shop that I visited when. I arrived, shortly after I arrived in the northeast, um, I was living in Stockton at the time. I remember. And yes, we just kind of wandered in. in fact, we bought that, what's it called? The independent guide to... The coffee guide. Yeah, I the think. coffee guide. Yes, you came exactly. in with that, didn't you? Being the studious yes.
1: type of person you are, you're yes. working through it, as you'd expect.
0: <laughs> and there was only one, there was only <laughs> one in Teaside, I think. But we went and it was also a, a little bit like... I really like this place. This is, like, really cool. This is, like, a tiny bit of what I used to know living in Joburg in this English market town, which is completely <laughs> different to w- where I grew up. So, yes, I, I understand that feeling of when you taste really good coffee, you're just like, this is just completely different. This is just this, this different. Is, yeah, this yeah, is yeah. not the instant stuff or whatever else you get. So, on the topic of coffee, what is your general preference and... What was your perception of coffee
1: before? So I think my coffee, my perception of coffee before was just, it just tasted like coffee. Okay. So whether I was at Costa or Starbucks, it's where I used to drink most of my coffee, Mm -hmm. because I had those in my shops as well. Yeah. Then that's just what coffee tastes like. It's quite Mm two-dimensional, really. And then, or one-dimensional, I guess, is what I'm saying. And then with the speciality, it was like two and three-dimensional. So it wasn't just about taste, it was about smell. It was about mouthfeel. It was all these things that I hadn't really picked up before. My go-to coffee still is I do love a flat white. I absolutely... I, I, I don't love it with full cream milk. Mm-hmm. I prefer it with skinny milk because yes. I get more of the coffee flavour for me. Yes. And then I've had a, an AeroPress this morning. I do love a, a black coffee.
0: Yes. Simple. Okay. So it's basically the, the ones where you can actually taste as much of the character of the coffee as possible.
1: Yeah, that's 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 what I really like. Mm-hmm. And I like how every way you brew you can have the same coffee
0: mm-hmm.
1: and brew it differently and you get different flavors yes. out of it, you know. So if I use this daybreak that I had this morning as a, as a, as, a, as an aeropress here, I do get like the the chocolates, yep. raisins, a bit of plum and stuff. If I have that as a flat white, I just get loads of caramels and, and okay. that out of it, and, and that's a bit I really, really yes. like.
0: I mean, I haven't actually experimented like that, but that's a great thing to to try as well. Because I just always go for an espresso. I'm like very. You do do, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, yes. It's
1: but you sip your espressos. You take your espresso really seriously. So we, I enjoy the coffee. I know. Types. So I remember <laughs> doing your first one. <laughs> and you think, oh gosh, I'm a little bit nervous. Oh. <laughs>
0: I didn't actually realize at the time, but I was just like, I really wanted to (laughs) taste the coffee. Like, that's why. Yeah, so um, for listeners to put it in perspective, I went to the coffee shop, absolutely loved it. And then I just got the courage together. It was the first place that I decided I want to write something about it um, for my blog, which at the time was just kind of my life in the Northeast. And I approached Steve, and he was just amazing and actually had me tasting two different espressos. It was incredible. We had a great
1: chat, didn't we? Yeah, we did. I thoroughly enjoyed it.
0: Scene two Yum, the skydive. So, talking of Mint (laughs) Hobo, at the time of opening in December 2015, you described your experience of starting your own business as. Jumping off a plane, skydiving. Yeah, I didn't actually know it at the time when I interviewed you, otherwise I would have brought it in, but now I'm bringing <laughs> it in. So oh, gosh! scary and requiring otherworldly confidence. That's maybe one way to describe yeah. it. The only speciality coffee shop on the Yarm High Street was a huge success. Now, from that very scary experience to the success that you achieved, can you perhaps first just put it into perspective by describing what it's like? skydive
1: <laughs> so well i'd love to And do, what
0: went through your head <laughs>
1: what, what oh my well i can remember the first jump really yeah. r- really 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 clearly and it is you know you get trained and you get taken through all the equipment so you get to feel confident about mm-hmm. your training equipment however when you're when you actually jump out of a plane you're asked to get really big now when you're scared and frightened you want to get really small yeah you know so the, just the 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 bit of like jumping out, you're fighting against what your body naturally wants to, mm-hmm. to do to protect itself. Yeah. And in that in that moment, that's the bit that's a bit sort of scary. You think, I don't know quite how this is gonna work. But I've t i yeah. I've been told it's gonna be okay. And I've got two guys with me and they're gonna make sure I'm okay. Mm-hmm. So you have that you've got to put your absolute confidence in the people you're with, but there's still that bit where you think Ooh.
0: Yeah, you're jumping. However, out a plane. <laughs> it's one of those,
1: once you've gone,
0: yeah. there
1: ain't no going back. No. You know what I mean? I can't yeah. get back in. So once you've gone, then you switch on. And funny enough, you think, oh my gosh, I'm not falling. I'm flying.
0: Yeah.
1: Oh my gosh, I'm not tumbling out of control. Mm-hmm. I'm falling fairly straight. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you pop your parachute and you think, oh my gosh, it's open. Fabulous. And oh, we're flying. <laughs> then, um, yeah, I. I When I landed, I uh, I flew into a roller, which wasn't great.
0: Flew into a roller?
1: (laughs) A roller. You know, like these big rollers that you use on cricket fields. Oh, okay. Yeah. I just, I became fixated (laughs) and just flew straight into the roller, but got up with a smile and we did it again. It
0: sounds like something I would do as well. (laughs) All right. Now, you partnered up with Ranton Coffee Roasters when you opened Mint Hobo, and I mean, there are loads of aspects of, of the business you, you started in Yarm that made it unique. So, you had an alcohol license, which wasn't normal for coffee shops, late yeah. closing hours, and of course, the coffee, which was just like amazing. So, above all, it was your hospitality and ability to make each customer feel like a friend oh that you. made the small <laughs> shop such a popular spot. No, really, like you w- went in there and it doesn't matter how busy it was, you always just made Every, well, I don't know about every customer, but you made me <laughs> feel like I'm the only person in there.
1: Well, so, you know, the mint hobo thing, yeah. it was all about making stuff a little bit better. Yeah. So it didn't matter how long we had you, whether it was like five mm-hmm. seconds or five hours. You had to, just wanted you to leave feeling a little bit better than when you walked in.
0: I thought you were going to stop there. I just wanted you to leave. <laughs> <laughs> no. Yeah, yes, exactly. So what, what? why name it Mint Hobo?
1: Well, that's what it was about. So the Mint was about refreshment, making things mm-hmm. sort of better. And Hobo is about finding a home. So like the littlest Hobo, this dog thing, if you've ever, if you've ever seen it on TV, it's about yeah. this dog that goes from place to place to place. And wherever okay. it goes, it makes its home and it makes friends and, yeah. and that sort of stuff. And that's very much what Mint Hobo is about, making mm-hmm. it better and making it friendly.
0: Yeah. Well, it was definitely felt and then is this the vision that you you wanted to offer and what kind of interaction did you hope f- for from customers in return
1: well i was hoping you'd I'd get that in return i guess i was hoping to find my soul again mm-hmm. so you, you you think if you if you approach something a certain way and you want to run something a certain way then people are warm to it and reward you and you'll be able to build a business on it and funnily enough that's what happened. Mm-hmm. So, so by doing that, I guess the values that I'd lost in the last few years of my corporate life, I was able to reduce yeah. in my in my own sort of business life, and mm-hmm. and that was that was really important to me. Actually, mm-hmm. more important than the money that I didn't make was the soul that <laughs> I found. You know?
0: Yeah, because I mean, starting a coffee shop or starting this kind of like a small place that's welcoming people and it's more about the interaction that you have than necessarily how much or the price you put on things you managed to create this energetic caring vibe that put people at ease yet the idea of running this relaxed coffee shop with your unique stamp on it and then making profits is obviously almost pulls apart yeah it's
1: it was it was a challenge you, yeah. it absolutely it was a challenge you know but, but like coffee it's never just about the coffee yeah you know it's about what the coffee unlocks sometimes so, you know i've had people come in and talk to me about chapters in their life they've mm-hmm. not even talked to their nearest and dearest about yeah uh, stories that it wouldn't be really appropriate to share but stuff that is mm-hmm. you think oh my word have i really just had that conversation with mm-hmm. that person and they can be both ways not always they can be very very uplifting you know mm-hmm. conversations mm-hmm. and some very very difficult conversations but it's never just about the coffee
0: all right and then how did you go about securing funds for your business venture and what were the major challenges that you faced as a business a small business on the high street
1: yeah so um we were quite fortunate financially sort of where we were at the at the time so we we're able to use our own sort of money for mm-hmm. it which is a double-edged sword because we, we we probably well we did we. We spent too much. And you've got to understand that whatever budget you give yourself, you are going to spend more. Yeah. And I think I sort of learnt that sort of fairly, fairly quickly. So if we did it again, we'd be able to do it for half the money, mm-hmm. probably twice as effectively, and probably yeah. turn around to a profitable business sooner than we did. However, sometimes you've got to do it to know how to yeah. do it. And what's been kind of nice is to be able to help other people on the road now and you know when we'll talk sort of about the good, the bad and the ugly I'm very very happy to share the stuff that went well and the stuff that didn't go so well
0: okay alright so in your opinion what went really well?
1: So I mean what went really well was I think the atmosphere we created, the products that we had, the feedback we got from customers was absolutely fabulous great. that was absolutely, absolutely great what didn't go so well, um, I guess when I took the building on at the start needed an awful lot more work than I'd anticipated.
0: The small, yeah. it, I mean, for listeners, if you haven't actually been there, it's it's, it's tiny. <laughs> it is
1: tiny, but for all yeah. it's tiny, my goodness, the work that we had to put into it was absolutely yeah. massive. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. So it was more than, I, more than I thought. So I might have struck a, a, a better deal there with my landlord, although mm. my landlord was very, very supportive. And then um probably worked the numbers a little bit harder, you know. Okay. And um I was always... A bit conscious about price, and I think I should have been less conscious about price. Mm. And what do you more mean,
0: price? The price of the the yeah. So or? whenever I
1: was sort of charging anything, I suppose I didn't put enough effort into profit.
0: Okay.
1: Yeah, you know, I, I should have done a little bit sooner. Worked out fine in the end, but at the start, you know. But again, that's part of learning. You know, mm. and it's interesting when you come from a corporate world and background where. Some of these things are already sort of done for you. When you come into your own sort of business you yeah. need to work all this yeah. stuff for yourself.
0: Yeah, I mean I know having had to do a business plan and constantly working with budgets myself because this is just all part of it. You have to like look think of the future, think of how you're eventually going to make a profit cost estimates. It's been yeah. it's very, very complicated and especially if you have absolutely no background in it. It's a learning journey, as
1: yeah it is a learning journey and I think yeah.
0: So over the course of the five years Mintobe became a well-established coffee business and you also mentioned that you had a lot of support from your family throughout this uh, the growth of the business. Now I think for anybody who's actually started a business and had to kind of explain it to their families had to deal with the time they had to put into it, the extra time, because a lot of the, often you're perhaps doing more than one role. What, in your opinion, is the make-or-break role family plays in the journey of an entrepreneur?
1: So, uh, oh, yeah, and there's some bits of it I could have handled better, actually, mm-hmm. you know, if I, if I look back, back on that. I think sharing the ups and downs is sometimes the hardest thing to do with the people that are closest to you. So I think to, to be able to share those in a family is very, very helpful without feeling you're being judged or judging, mm-hmm. which, is, which is, is quite a sort of tricky thing to do. Yeah. But then I think being honest with your family as well. Mm-hmm. Whatever amount of time it takes at the shop, it's going to take a similar amount of time outside. So it is going to take you away probably from your family mm-hmm. you know, a bit. So I think with any business... I think whenever you get downtime it's important Mm -hmm. to plan your downtime so it refreshes you and recharges you and just takes you away from your business even if it's a half a day or a couple of hours Mm -hmm. it's well worth well worth while doing
0: yes I agree and I think just striking that balance maybe for anybody just in a quite a demanding job is really difficult
1: and I'm not great at striking balances
0: I'm not great (laughs) (laughs) now after those five years you were back Metaphorically, in that plane again, looking at the world below and yeah. ready to plunge into a new adventure. Scene three Paris, the Bohemian life. In 2019, you posted a video in chillaxed, <laughs> hobo style, saying your goodbyes. I still remember this video. It was really sad. <laughs> you know, I, it was a complete surprise oh, to me. Oh, bless as well. you. Yeah. You were going to Paris where your wife got posted. So when the idea of moving to Paris first became a reality, what was your gut feeling? Were you like, wow, Paris, France, cool, I'm, I'm just going to leave everything? Or was it like, um, I've spent so much time building this, I don't want to leave it behind?
1: It was, it was very much all systems go Paris, really excited to go about mm. it. Disappointed, you know, to, to leave um, Hobo behind and, and all that sort of stuff. But every chapter has to come to an end. Mm-hmm. You know, and it was a right. It was a right time. And Lucy, who's taken it on, yeah. was really champing at the bit to to give it a go. Yeah. And um, you know, subsequently, she's done a fantastic job. Mm-hmm. She's done a better job Definitely. than I did, and she certainly built a business. So, do you know what? It was it was right all always round. Mm-hmm. And for all Paris didn't work out so well for Claire and I at okay. the end, yeah. it was absolutely the right thing to do at that okay. time. And I loved Paris. <laughs> <lot of> <Yes>.
0: you didn't understand any of that
1: yeah I did but I can't respond to it so I can understand French fairly well but responding to it I'm just not quick enough you know so I was quite good with was a bar at the end of the street I used to love it I'd go and they were very good in Mm. there so I'd sit at the bar I'd have a beer and I could I'd love to listen to them talk French and if they were on a conversation that remained about a particular subject mm-hmm. for a bit. I could participate a little okay. bit, but when it was dancing around, although it was really difficult, and they would know I would understand, but then they would yeah. talk to me in English. It was great. We, we had a great that's understanding. That's the only thing oh, yeah, about yeah. Paris.
0: They always want to talk to you in English. They're,
1: they're, 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 do you know what? And the Parisians, it, it's not true what they say about them being rude and all that. Do you know what? The Parisians were absolutely delicious. They were delightful, the yeah. Parisians. I, I, I loved it. And you know, I've made a yes. few friends. I will go back and see mm-hmm. them when times change.
0: I mean, that's my first place where I'm going to go is southern France, and actually, I've got a really good friend there, and she's Brazilian originally. Is she? So yes, I just—I mean, I just love France.
1: <laughs> oh, and and, and, and Paris, I—it yeah. it was so for me is living in that city.
0: Oh, well, tell t- us a little bit.
1: Oh, so it, I mean, it's beautiful, you know. It is just jaw-droppingly beautiful. Absolutely on the river. It's small enough that you can walk around it, mm-hmm. which. Um, it feels smaller than London, whether or not it is or not, I don't know, but mm-hmm. certainly the, the bits you want to see. Cycling around it was like on a level of marvellousness. I cycled loads. Okay, Absolutely yeah, right. cause I did a bit of couriering as well. Because I, right. I had to try and do something, sell a bit of coffee and, and deliver a few parcels. All right. and, and it's really strange actually where you feel safe. Mm-hmm. So if I'm cycling on the roads around here, I don't feel very safe. Okay. Cycling in the chaos of Paris, I felt safe because hmm. everyone used the roads with the rule of chaos. So the expectation is that if you're on a if you're on a bike, you've got to get going before the lights turn green. Because if you wait and you go when the cars go and the lights turn green, you're a problem. Yeah. You need to be twenty yards ahead of the track. And as long as you do okay. that, you're fine. And the cars expect it. Yeah, They don't honk yeah, at honk you, they yeah. don't they, they encourage you. And if you don't go mm-hmm. They'll let you. <laughs> they'll <laughs> let you know that you should have you should have gone before yeah. it went green, and the, and you see the and what's kind of nice, refreshing. You see the police do the same. So if the police are on the bikes, they're headlights just like everybody else. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying you should ignore law, but they have this sort of Parisian way that, it's well, it's the French. It's if, the French if you way. don't do it, it's <laughs> it you get a, in trouble. Yeah, it's a problem. <laughs> you know, <laughs> <laughs> and, and and that's what the, it, it is. Yeah. It is you know, and yeah. you don't they don't explain it. It just is. And that bit of Paris, I absolutely loved. And the French Mm -hmm. are French. They are different, Mm -hmm. just as the English are different. But I I just, I really enjoyed the differences. And, um, yeah.
0: Yeah, well, I didn't know all of this, so thank you for sharing. A wonderful, beautiful chaos. Yes. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Anyway, um, otherwise this whole episode is just going to now turn about. Oh, I
1: could (laughs) do. We could, yeah. We can can actually do a follow-up. We should just (laughs) go.
0: (laughs) (laughs) All right, so now looking back, at this move, how did it change you? And how should, I suppose, how should we approach something like this a major change in our lives?
1: I think worry less and do more. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, like, you know, w- worrying doesn't really solve anything, but doing stuff yes. just makes a bit of progress. How
0: did Paris change you?
1: So, well, so, like I say, for, for me and Claire, it didn't work out as well mm-hmm. at the end, you know, which is, which yeah. is um, it's unfortunate. So that's one of those things. But for me, yeah. I guess... It threw me into a place where I didn't speak the language. When my French is awful, it's still awful. However, you find a way of getting by, and you, and you you understand that behaviour doesn't matter. What language it is? So if you smile at somebody, they smile back. Mm-hmm. Doesn't matter where you are, that works. Yeah, if you're even pleasant, if,
0: even in Paris. Even
1: in Paris, if you're pleasant, they're pleasant. Mm-hmm. If you ask, generally people want to help you, yeah. and vice versa. And if you look for the differences and enjoy the differences rather than fight them. You know, so if at those traffic lights, I would thought, no, I'm not going until it's green because then I'm not embracing it. The difference says, this is chaos here in this city, and it runs on a bit of chaos, but it also runs on some rules. So mm. embrace the differences, crack on in front of those lights, don't be a problem, <laughs> be part of the solution, you know, yes. and, it, and enjoy it with a smile, you yeah. know, and I, th- and I think it made me smile again an awful an awful lot, and you, mm-hmm. and you find your own bit. So for all I didn't speak the language, where we lived, we lived in a beautiful place in the 16th, arrondissement. Mm-hmm. and even walking around there, I'd find people every morning to say good morning to.
0: Yeah.
1: You know, and Which is a very English thing. It's a, it's a very it's English not, it's, thing. It's not much a French I, thing, I, it, you know. It, it, and it isn't a French thing. Honestly, you're absolutely right. <laughs> But as I'm walking around, I'd be <laughs> the mad Englishman. I just English imagine man. them thinking. going, what <laughs> Pourquoi? <laughs> 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 but I'd be walking around. And I'd be the butchers and the bakers. Bonjour, ça va, ça va, ça va bien? And I'd go on and on and on. And in that half an hour of walking around, they the uh, arrondissement, and getting back, I'm thinking, oh, I feel charged, I found yeah. my soul again. They're probably thinking, yeah, well, crazy bloody Englishman, <laughs> you know, <laughs>
0: okay, but who I'm doesn't,
1: who's, 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 uh, merde. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm
0: sure they, it also kind of made their day as well. But they're really
1: good, so you go yeah. in, and my pronunciation would be pretty crap at, yeah. the, at the bakery, but they'd help me with that, yeah. you okay, know, yeah. and each day it'd be the same yeah. thing, they'd be the same thing that I'd pronounce, but they would smile, and they would help me along my journey.
0: Okay, well, you I'm know. happy to hear that. I'm anyway. happy that you don't anyway. have a, a negative idea of my ancestors. <laughs> so. Oh,
1: of course, yeah. Well, yeah. your history would be French, wouldn't it?
0: Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, I f- basically feel French. French. <laughs> How French? I can't <laughs> discard the Dutch part. But anyway, now, I think you have spoken about, if you look back now at everything, yeah. what was the hardest challenge of running Minho, and also what was the su- most surprising success? But maybe... If you want to just summarise the most surprising success?
1: It's what people say have said Mm. to me sort of afterwards and when people come up and chat to you about Mm. some of the positive effects that you've had on them surprise me really because what to me or to us sort of in there might have been no big deal to other people are things they remember and remember for quite a while and it's not just stuff I did it's the stuff that people that were working with me yeah. did also and that's the stuff that's really lovely when someone says oh whoever said this or did this and they do it not because i've said it just they've done it because they feel it's the right thing to do that's the stuff okay that i'm probably most proud oh,
0: of fantastic and now you're back in yarm i am <laughs> riding your motorbike well maybe not not today in, yeah. yeah yeah not in the <laughs> winter freezing winter um by the way this recording is taking place alongside the river.
1: Minus it, three.
0: Minus three. Minus three. Doesn't. It, I feel kind of warmed up now. It's all the talking.
1: Yeah.
0: Drinking coffee, of course. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe still jumping off of planes. I'm not sure if you're still into yeah, that. Yeah, so I did
1: a bit last year. So okay. I've, I've got out of it for a few years, mm, but did a, okay. a bit last year. I'd love to do some more this year. Yeah. Uh, it would be nice. Okay, great.
0: Get ready for that mid-air interview. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay.
1: Good luck. <laughs>
0: In fact, you also now work for Arnton Coffee. You've got a new I do. role. do. Yes. So just to wrap this episode up which was uh, thank you by the way for joining me it was great it's it's a delight to learn a little bit more about you can you tell us about this new phase in your life and the most important lesson you learned in 2020
1: Cool. so the most important lesson I learned in 2020 I'm going to start with that first is do you know what actually it was a really really good year you Mm. know and for all it's been um, a real difficult year yeah. just because the year is difficult doesn't mean to say it's not necessarily a good year yeah. it's a massive amount of change for me okay. but i think again what's good about it is that i feel for all it's difficult change it's it's changed the better and I include like the lockdown i had four months lockdown with my dad in yeah. in tenerife and all that sort of so loads of unplanned stuff mm-hmm. but actually you you get to the end of 2020 you think i probably feel closer to my family i feel happier with myself okay. i feel very blessed to be doing what I'm doing with with Round mm-hmm. which I know that sounds a bit profound and all that sort of stuff but yeah. I really really do do love it and
0: what, and is, it, what is it you do?
1: So so um, for Round Coffee I look after all the sales any business development and, and the training okay. and it started with, with, with the two days when I came back from um, Paris the idea was that we would do this in the, in the south and we'd try and break into the south but obviously things didn't quite work out that way Mm-hmm. So we ended up doing it in the north and we said, well, we'll give it three months and see what happens. Well, we're 12 months down the line and, you know, it's going really positively. Mm-hmm. But, you know, very thankful for, to both the Daves really for, for taking yeah. a punt on me.
0: <laughs> well, I mean, it's so exciting. And I think in general, as a company, Round & Coffee has just always seemed like a very exciting and developing and growing place where nothing phases no. the team.
1: No, and I, I think that's right. And I think, you know, both the days when we've gone into this, mm. into lockdowns and, and, and that, yeah. we've said what we're going to do, we're going to come out. We don't know how we're going to come out, but we're just going to come out a bit better than we, we've gone in. Mm-hmm. And each phase, that's what we've, we've done, and we review it each week, and we're, we're very honest with each other. Yeah. We don't always get on, you know. We, we're, you know, with, with honesty, you're going to get different, different views. And do you know what? It's really, really healthy because at the heart of it, coffee is what's the most important thing. And customers are the most important thing. And then, you know, from the Daves, they're people. Yeah. So all of us that work there, you know, do you know what? They're really rather good.
0: That's true. So this has been absolutely great. Thank you for freezing with me. And oh, it's been
1: so a delight. <laughs>
0: Where can people find out more about you? Hobo Coffee House, which is used to be Mint Hobo, and Roundton Coffee, because you've been a little bit involved in all of these pieces. Yeah. yeah? where should
1: they go so where should they go well i mean there's um if, you, if you're going online you know hook us up on instagram okay. um i'm instagram i'm mint.hobo mm-hmm. lucy's hobo coffee house okay. and then so Rounton coffee roasters yeah. um where can you find Rounton? all over the place mm-hmm. we're very blessed with a, a a number of coffee houses that that do us and um Keep going with our products. So, yeah, please look out for them, support them, mm-hmm. support them, you're supporting us. And if you can't find them, get online, hook us up on there. <laughs>
0: Use Google. <laughs> or
1: get on Amazon, get on Google. Yeah, we're yeah. on there because okay. you know what? It's it's a balance, mm-hmm. you know. So, it's not all about, you know, the high street. The high street is super important, but yeah. online is really important too, and we have yeah. to embrace it.
0: I mean, it's amazing just being able to order any of the coffee, like, and it's there within like a couple of days. Or Absolutely. order it on a
1: Wednesday, and I'm going to deliver it to you.
0: I <laughs> will. <laughs> 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 Okay, and before we go, I'm always going to release you from our freezing interview. I have a, quick, a couple of quick fire questions oh, no. so that listeners can get to know you even better. <laughs> so, what is the most recent film or series you watched or podcast you listened to?
1: Uh, so, the recent series I'm watching, I'm re watching Bosch. I don't know that. Bosch. Harry Bosch. <laughs> okay. And I do like, and this is sad, I like yeah. 24. Damn what? it. Set up a perimeter. So if you've ever watched Twenty Four, it's one of these Amazon series. <laughs> I'm
0: going to have to watch it. Now. You go,
1: and you'll you'll watch it. and You'll go, oh Steve, that is such a disappointment. <laughs> but yeah, I do, okay. I love, I'm rewatching Twenty Four, and then other things I'm rewatching. What I do love, I love porridge, and I love Police Squad.
0: Okay, right. So if you've never watched I'll Police have, Squad, you young people,
1: get on Police Squad. Okay. It's great.
0: I will. <laughs> Okay. And then, what important truth do very few people agree with you on?
1: Probably that conservatives can also be socialists.
0: I'm going to have to think about that.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> what do you mean?
1: So Just... what I mean is, so oh, don't get me started on politics, because this bunch of conservatives are awful. Okay. However, and I think the previous bunch of socialists were pretty awful too, yeah. but there's a balance in the middle okay. where you can approach things from the point of view of being conservative but actually doing it with being a conscience so not all business is bad Uh, it's just people that make business bad
0: Mm -hmm. brilliant what's your favorite travel destination and why it'd
1: be Paris yeah I I absolutely love the place I feel Mm. I've got unfinished business there yeah I, I, I love Paris
0: and what advice would you give to someone wishing to start a career in hospitality or retail
1: my advice for any career is do something that you think you're going to enjoy. And I say think because you never really know until you give it a go. Mm-hmm. And then if you do it and you don't enjoy it, just do something else. Because, you know, you choose your happiness. Your happiness yeah. isn't chosen for you. So when folk again I go back in the day when, you know, some people weren't doing so well in that, the conversation would more likely have is a conversation about their happiness.
0: Yeah. And
1: I would help them find their happiness. Now their happiness may be somewhere else and that's kind of fine.
0: I always think that we talk about becoming happy one day I'll be come happy but I think it's something that you you are. Yeah. You cannot become it you either uh, you have to make it. You've got you to have make to it. make yeah, it. Yeah.
1: And you have got to work at it. Yeah. Actually because it ain't that easy.
0: Yeah. Exactly.
1: And it's okay to be a bit miserable. Be happy,
0: be exactly. miserable. <laughs> you can't be happy every day. You know. Nobody's yeah. happy every day unless you're weird. <laughs> well, <laughs> thanks for listening to the show. If you enjoyed this narrative journey, please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from. You can also leave us a rating and review on Apple as we love to hear your feedback. It helps more people find this podcast and helps us share these amazing stories of difficult roads and beautiful destinations in business and art. Stories that could make a small difference in someone else's life. Join me next time for more narrative journeys into creative business ideas.